This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Rumya. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on-air community, and everyone's invited. Well, we're hanging out with you again on uh, Wednesday, middle of the week, ladies and gentlemen. Behind me, I've got the uh, snow over my left shoulder outside the window. Christmas tree on the right. The fireplace is roaring. We're getting in the spirit. Ramya Muthan over there at the studio in Toronto. Hello. With the pillars ba- flanking her, like security. <laughs> How are you today? Oh, no. Yes. Uh, what were they? Red and green for festivities of know. December? I, Blue and do white. you ever oh remember the colors of Christmas? I honestly Blue and white. just... Oh guest i just pulled that random color scheme but anyways they're not red and green they're blue and white maybe they were red and green last time i talked about them i was just gonna say but isn't that christmas colors the red and green yeah but blue and white are also kind of cute you know icicles snow oh yeah (laughs) i don't know yeah that's as close to that is the theme of my christmas tree by the way my christmas tree is a lot of blue Is it was was that by design or just by yes, convenience? Yes. Yeah, no. When I went to, with my friend to originally get all the um, initial like tinsels and garlands and lights for my Christmas tree and um, ornaments, like the basic ornaments, like the balls and uh, snowflakes mm-hmm. and such. Yeah, we themed it around blue and white. Did you? Is this like a new tree set up and everything like that? Nah. Or something that when you got no, okay, several so years. A it's a recycled up. tree. Uh, I can't remember. Did, did your Did your family ever have a real tree? No. No, no okay. we could barely handle an artificial tree. Even the amount like of responsibility that came Charlie with Charlie Brown the... Christmas, you could, didn't even have one of those? No. no. Little sickly tree? No. <laughs> no, so they, the most closest we got to that is Glasgow bringing in branches into the house. That's it. I don't we think my mom would allow a real tree, honestly. The big six-foot-tall tree. We always had this big. And, and I, I mean, I don't know how old it was because I just remember bringing out the barrels and roll out the barrels, and out came the Christmas tree. And wow. it was always nice, always artificial, quickly went out, and then my dad would go on that hunt. Let's see how many lights are out. <laughs> and I'd come into the living room. It was dark except all over the floor, Christmas tree lights. And I was like, oh, is this a game? What? Don't touch those. Mm, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, welcome to Christmas. Hopefully many of you out there have your tree up and, you know, enjoy. Uh, maybe some of you will send us a, a picture with a little bit of description about your tree or your holiday feel, and maybe we can throw those on the show. I'm just saying that, ladies and gentlemen. I have no control over if we can or not. <laughs> I'm just talking to talk <laughs> and to fill airtime. Anyway, let's see what's coming up on the program. The Golden Globe nominations for the year are out. We cover the top TV categories with Greg David on our TV chat shortly. Uh, An asteroid's going to pass in front of a bright star to cause an eclipse that is very rare and visible to millions. Mark Phoenix is going to tell us more on the buzz. I love it. And on our Traveling with JJ segment today, JJ Hunt stopped by to chat about the beautiful markets in Fez, Morocco. That conversation with him in hour two here on Kelly and Ramya. So you've probably already heard it, but I'm going to just bring this up again because, of course, poor Tesla. Big news no matter what they do. Um, Nearly every Tesla on the road in the U.S. is on recall. 
Tesla is recalling more than 2 million vehicles over its driver assistance technology autopilot. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration says the system Tesla uses to make sure drivers are paying attention when autopilot is engaged is insufficient. The electric car maker has agreed to a software update that will limit the use of autopilot if a driver is consistently inattentive. The recall affects the Model S and Model 3 sedans and the Model X and Model Y crossovers. Mike Dubusky. ABC News. So I think because it's Tesla, because it's Elon Musk, because it will impact the markets, or maybe that's all those reasons are why it's impacting the market, you got to roll this out and then ask the question, Rumi, okay, what's next? How far does this go? This is gigantic when we talk about recalls a lot of time. People don't even know their vehicle may be up for a recall. You kind of got to actively look, which has never made sense to me Mm. when car companies, everybody knows who owns said vehicle. It's one of those things that we're not talking someone's toaster they bought four years ago. Oh, by the way, there happens to be a recall on these because they start fires. But (laughs) cars, how could you not? How do you lose track unless it's stolen? Of a vehicle. And again, I get it. Lots are stolen. Okay, but I don't think the people stealing them are going to turn them in for it. There's a recall on this thing. Could you guys fix this so I don't, my stolen vehicle doesn't go up in flames on its way overseas? Um, I, I find the big deal about anything Tesla, anything, you know, X is going to roll out there a lot due to Elon Musk. But this sounds like a big enough problem. It's a terribly humongous problem, not only because of the cars, not only because of the brand, but because of the trust we have in autonomous vehicles now. Like, this is such a big picture issue. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Or I guess I should say mistrust then. Um, But yeah, like, this is, remember, like, we are treading careful waters here, right? Like, we're not into this this is not normal yet like we're not where airplanes are and where um even electric cars are we're when we're talking Mm -hmm. about autonomous vehicles or any kind of autonomous features in vehicles we're really like skeptical we're cynical we're not trusting yet a lot of people are like this is not real right that's the spectrum of opinion and perspective we're dealing with so the early investors and the early adapters are the ones kind of uh moving this thing along obviously aside from the scientists and the 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 people the coders and people who are actually taking care of this so anyways as public opinion is now hearing almost every tesla just the headline alone is being taken off the streets or not safe for the roads you're thinking okay how much of this reputation are we crashing and burning even before it's out there so this is the remarks that we have to make for the mainstream audience As two blind hosts, let's tell you how we feel. Yeah, no kidding. I can't get that darn idea of having a driverless vehicle that I can pile into, take me anywhere. Rumya's younger than me. I want them to hurry up, get it straight, because, you know, at her age, she's likely to see it. Me, I'm likely to, like, all right, maybe, you know, have one cart me in my old feeble age uh, somewhere. But I got the opportunity to own one, to be a part of riding in one. That's what makes me say... Not another setback. But there's going to be plenty. As they test this out, this has got to become something we can manage in our world. And uh, one day, one day for sure. Fingers we step crossed. aside for a couple of moments. For, I got them crossed, but doesn't it won't do me any good. Yeah, that's true. Up next, folks, bail reform aims to reduce violent crime in Canada. Grant Hardy, he has some details for us on his headline segment, the second one this week. We get to them after this. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back.
Thanks for being with us, folks. Check out the repeats of the program. First of all, you can find us on AMI-audio at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. You want to check it out that way. That's where the first uh, of our episodes debut on AMI-audio. Repeats of the program on both networks, 10 p.m. Eastern Time. And wherever you're listening into us via AMI-audio around the world, thanks for being with us. Check us out on AMI-tv throughout Canada. Kelly McDonald, Ramya Muthan. We are the hosts of the program, joining you on the Wednesday edition of Kelly and Ramya. Let's welcome in reporter Grant Hardy. Hey, I'm Grant Hardy, and welcome to the Headlines segment. I tackle everything from health and lifestyle to accessibility and tech. I have it all right here on Kelly and Ramya. We do this on Mondays and Wednesdays. Visit with Grant Hardy, who joins us. And Grant, appreciate you being here as usual, sir. Um, How's your day? Well, it's fantastic. Uh, You guys always get me excited with the talk about uh, autonomous vehicles. It's one of these just elusive things that kind of for essentially for my entire life, I've heard like, this is going to be here tomorrow kind of thing or yes. ASAP, but nothing's really materialized yet that we can use, but let's keep our fingers crossed. Hey, yeah, I used Definitely. to think about it. Of course, watching the old shows, like I used to think bionics, and a vehicle that drove itself. Oh my gosh, they, they've got to happen in my lifetime. It's got to be possible that vehicles were far more off than, than bionics in my head at eight, nine, 10 years old. But, you know, it's so amazing what you see starting to happen in this uh, this race to make, make the autonomous vehicle happen, which more and more seems logical. Sort of like the days when talking to someone and people being able to see them face-to-face on an on a item, now on our phones, of course, Back in the days of uh, kids watching Saturday morning cartoons and the Jetsons was like, that'll never happen. And why? Why do you need to see him? So, Grant, where are we starting? All right. Well, we're starting with uh, something that's a little more Danielle's territory than than mine, I think. But I did find this kind of interesting. And apparently Mm. there is a uh, Bill C-48, which has just been flying through uh, government, possibly without a huge amount of really study or review from the sounds of it. I'm not really sure, but it's made its way through the Senate. Uh, Bill C-48 um, uh, aims to uh, make it more difficult for prolific, violent, or serial offenders to receive bail, especially for crimes uh, involving uh, weapons or intimate partner violence. And basically, the bill uh, expands the use of reverse onus uh provisions for certain offenders so what it means is instead of a crown prosecutor having to prove in court why you as an accused person should stay behind bars while uh waiting a trial the person who has been charged has to show why they should be released uh and advocates uh in terms of like civil liberties are concerned that it may lead to indigenous and black and people of color uh, being continually overrepresented even more so in the jails, as well as some, some more pressure on legal aid, which these uh, uh, some of these more marginalized groups would rely on. Uh, and also just uh, some criticism that this really tough on crime approach that the public seems to want and that our country is adopting could be uh, 
supplemented by more like mental health resources rather than policing resources and that the system sometimes gets it wrong because it essentially leaves uh, mental health crises up to the police and emergency response to deal with and that can lead to more uh, negative outcomes for the people involved so kind of an interesting one because as i was reading this on the one hand uh i mean in intimate partner violence is something the system gets wrong so often uh, because it can just be so sort of invisible or, or difficult to prove, difficult to, to prosecute. On the other hand, I can absolutely see people who are maybe more marginalized, people of color, people who have de developed an understandable distrust for the legal system, mm. people who just don't have the resources being like, I have to prove, like, how do I even prove that, you know, I am not a danger to society it's it's literally a switch on one of the very fundamental principles of our legal system so that's my lay person analysis i'm sure danielle could uh, could really help us out here but what are your thoughts on this guys i mean oftentimes uh, we know we know the slogan or like the actual philosophy of our legal system is supposed to be innocent until proven guilty but um a lot of the times grant i think it's obvious that we treat people as if they're guilty before uh, proven innocent and and that is our own biases that's the you know flaws of the systems um and the the actual like processes that we go through and you know there are certain things that i i feel like really are just power moves right we're we're you have to bend over backwards and jump through hoops and especially depending on your uh, alleged offense to get bail approved to you to begin with and sometimes you know you the it's like the system's just putting its foot down and saying no sorry we can't because right and there's really like a lot of like you said these back and forth these factors of public safety the um stats of uh violence between law enforcement and uh mm -hmm. alleged offenders and all of these different things that are really adding to the nuances of the conversation but nonetheless i just think back to that that phrase innocent until proven guilty and i wonder if we follow through with that on a moral ethical level forget all yeah. the, the legal levels yeah, exactly right. I feel like it's the kind of thing where, you know, perhaps if everybody had, I mean, even if everybody had fair and equal legal representation yes. top lawyer, it, it's totally that shift in like innocent till you're proven uh, guilty. But especially since some people will have uh, an unequal sort of uh, bite of the apple that that makes it more difficult i definitely there is a lot of public safety concerns at play here but it's hard to imagine the system sort of getting it right like uh -huh. the system often just seems to not really get it right when it oh, comes to evaluating risk for people so yeah kind yeah. of preaching to the choir i guess mm. um Mm. And the thing is, too, like with repeat offenders, right, because obviously that's a big part of this conversation or like this uh, particular um, uh, legislation, we I think that that's a fair point, right, when we're talking repeat offenders. But then we got to add in the question about rehabilitation being a big part of the legal system and of the prison system and of just like the the way that we're supposed to think of 
um, the process, right? Rehabilitation is supposed to be a huge part of that. And if you're just denying bail for the sake of denying bail, I'll put it simply that way, right. yeah, uh, exactly. how is the rehab part of it being considered? You know, like there's, there's a lot to explore here. Yeah, there is. and a lot that people learn, unfortunately, and if you can't get bail, if you are a person subjected to spend a lot of time in and out of jail due to biases, and I think that really hits it in the head because of lack of representation, lack of access to it, or what expectations society has. Then I have to throw us in there, the media. When we first hear a story, something happening, how is that told to us to maybe give us some kind of impression of blame, of fault? Do we get that? Or, uh, uh, you know, whether you're saying the person's name, you're talking about the accident or the theft or the violence that happened, um, that impression that we get is that person going to, is it going to lead to a fair trial if that's the kind of thing that's going to happen? Are you going to have to change the venue where their, their supports of support and family, friends, whatever, can't be there for that person who's accused because, well, to have a fair trial, we have to move you. What does it take to get that fair trial, which is obviously the most important thing, get the fair trial, get the, you know, everything out there. I think some of the ownership, and I, I love this and applaud media that are trying to get it right, that have the guides like we see with the CBC guide out there to say, listen, this is how you refer to, this is how you tell a story, this is how you revisit mm. that story and sum it up for people without necessarily drawing conclusion. Now, obviously, if someone at the scene of something is recorded or heard saying, yeah, I enjoyed beating that person or committing that mm -hmm. act and no one could, you know, okay, that's gonna lead, but they still are entitled to the trial as if they didn't say that, even though it's going to be used, and it's going to be harder for us. But there's a lot of time um, we hear in the media something that leads us to believe, oh, well, of course they're at fault. Outside of our biases of, yeah, that's that blind guy, Grant Hardy. Yeah, I've heard Grant says this or believes in that and, you know, doesn't like the hamburgers with cheese on them. So if someone tried to force them, you know what I mean? There are those things that lead us down that trail and we always want to know we need an answer today never mind eight months from now when the trial's over i know right it's like those those situations where you're constantly struggling to overcome your own biases and we yes. we gotta fill in those details in our brain if we don't have details we just sort of make it up right or or mm -hmm. rely on someone else to give us a, a narrative it's 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 comforting it's just maybe not the yeah. most fair to all involved and, and again i really think guys as we are talking about this it's so about the disadvantage though the expectations that we have on certain people to well they're going to be of course he did that or she did that because from where she's from we know as if we know everything about this person and everything that we we don't know their background, the situation, why would they do something like this? And even if they did, where's the compassion we have to have about helping retrain so someone doesn't offend? And again, there are those people, it can't be. And you do have to hold people accountable. Exactly, yeah, really, really difficult to be that guy that says like, oh, I have some sympathy for this potential criminal. But w when you look at the, you know, the state of our society and people trapped in the uh just those those cycles of absolutely poverty, crime systematic discrimination and oppression 
absolutely not condoning any criminal acts, but you, you can see oh. where this tough, tough on crime approach often doesn't have the effect that we think it will have. And that uh, sometimes at the end of the day, we have to do the, the harder thing and, and look at rehabilitation and structural change mm. to society. Mm. And breaking and he, the pattern, right? The repeat, the circumstance, because sometimes we say, well, the reason they're this way is because they do these things not long after they come out of jail, after they've been in jail, learning how to do these things and thinking when they come out, they can do them better. And the only reason they think that is because the circumstance when they come out is back to the same, mm -hmm. which was what initiated It's not them. meant to but succeed, yeah. Yeah, how can it? It's all you know, and if no one's giving you a chance because you keep digging deeper, deeper. Because you're um, not rehabilitated into back into society. That's right. Exactly. And, and the steps just get worse and worse and harder to climb out of that pit. Mr. Hardy, thank you, sir. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Grant Hardy, reporter, producing and bringing great stuff to our program. We talked to him on Mondays and Wednesdays as part of our headline segment where we learn so many great things, get into so many interesting conversations. As Grant said, a bit of a, a heavy topic because, unfortunately, we don't have that answer. We don't have the solution, Rum. It's just stuff to think about and hopefully we'll be able to empathize a bit with. Um, let's uh, see what Greg David has for us. He's in here next because the Golden Globe nominations for the year are out. We cover the top TV categories when he's with us in two minutes for our TV chat. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment. Thanks for being with us. Ramya and Kelly joining you as we are weekdays from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern. Always like to have good conversations and chat with you and you know, I kind of like when Grant brings some of those things to the headlines. Um, there's so many things, Ramya, that we talk about on the show, and I think a lot of time people figure, well, if you're bringing the subject up, you guys must have some real cool things to say about it in the way of solving, problem solving, or or some analytical anecdotes or thoughts. Mm. And sometimes, folks, we're just here really, Rum, to talk it out. Exactly. And, I mean, our opinions definitely flow here on the show but it's interesting to kind of hear what how we react uh to different things as well or how other people react to clearly which is what we were talking about right before the break and speaking of reactions there are lots of things going on in television right now that we want to respond to let's bring on greg david to talk tv I'm Greg David, and I love TV. Join me on Kelly and Ramya, where we talk about the biggest hits, misses, and trends in television and entertainment. Greg, we're going to get to the nominations for the uh, 2024 Golden Globe uh, Awards because it was announced earlier this week, and you're going to talk about some of the key categories for TV. But before we do that, we obviously have to talk about... Um, a death of an actor, really big one. We have really sad news. I uh, I think it's sad news. Actor Andre Brower passed away at 61. This was on Monday after a brief illness. I guess that's the all, all the information we have right now. And he's known best, in my opinion, for his role as Captain Raymond Holt on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. Uh, this is on Fox and NBC. But he's done a lot more aside from comedy. 
Yeah, and uh, you know, I always check my phone just before I turn out the lights at night, and and that was the breaking news that was uh. on my phone, and, and I just felt so badly because everything that I've seen Andre Brower in, he's been fantastic. I first saw him, uh, his first on-screen role was in the feature film Glory uh, with Matthew Broderick, where he played a mm-hmm. Union soldier named Thomas Searles, uh, who was a free black man who joined the first black regiment for the Union soldiers. Um, great in that, in a in an, a first role. Uh, and then he moved on to play Detective Frank Pembleton on NBC's Homicide Life on the Street, and he won a primetime Emmy for his role on that show. And I'm so bummed I didn't watch that show the first time it came around, and it isn't available on any streaming oh. services because of licensing issues. So I may oh. have to shell out and get the DVDs of that one. Um but he was all over the place. He played a psychiatrist on the medical drama House. He was uh, nominated for a primetime Emmy twice for his role on the series Men of a Certain Age with Scott Bakula and, oh, uh, and Ray man, Romano. Yes. So, I mean, y- you know, you go through his IMDb page and he's kind of a that guy. And so mm. the fact that he's, you know, and, and going through social media today and last night, it's just been countless clips from Brooklyn Nine-Nine where he was so, so good he is in the so comedy good. realm. So, yeah, a huge loss in the industry. Was his wow. role on House a big one? He was later... Yeah, it was later on in the seasons, and and it was when um when Gregory House was going through some um mental health issues, um he actually was committed to uh, an asylum um in one of the later seasons, and so he was seeing the psycho- seeing um uh, seeing Andre Brower's character during that time. So not not early on, it was in the later seasons. Yeah, you love when people like him get so many opportunity especially when you go back to glory which i enjoyed that movie immensely yeah. and yeah. and and you know still think about it because of what it means and i can imagine as an actor too getting a, a part in something like that because we talk about history and what we're showing and the effort and people saying oh really is this for real like i didn't know and i think when you have an opportunity to do that as an actor it's powerful mhm yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, he's 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 made such a mark um uh, in in any role that he's played and I do want to note before we move on that uh his family is saying in lieu of flowers they would like uh, donations be made to the Classical Theater of Harlem where uh, Andre Brower served on the board. Uh, he joined the board of the Classical Theater of Harlem, an off-Broadway company uh in 2019. So you can just go to the Classical Theater of Harlem website if you want to if you want to give. Okay, thank you, Greg. That's awesome. Uh, Greg, let's go back to Golden Globes. Uh, Are you a little surprised that these things are even actually happening? The Hollywood Forum Press Association, which hands out these awards, have been accused uh, of not really having a lot of diversity in the past. What's different? Yeah, I mean, Tom Cruise made headlines when he said that he wasn't going to go to the Golden Globes a couple of years ago because of a lack of diversity and some controversy behind the scenes. Uh, So Dick Clark Productions took over the Golden Globes earlier this year, and they completely cleaned house. So it isn't the Hollywood Foreign Press Association that runs the Golden Globes anymore. It's Dick Clark Productions, and the company required all of those assets. Um, The Hollywood Foreign Press Association was a group of international journalists who had previously chosen nominees for and decided the winners in the awards every year. Um, as And as a result, um, with this membership out, 
a, a brand new group called the Golden Globe Foundation is in with all new people behind the scenes. And so they're hopefully going to kind of get the Golden Globe nice and shiny, buff it up and, and make it presentable again. And, uh, and we're doing it with, uh, with the nominations that were announced on Monday. Okay, well, let's keep it going with all this change in scenery, right? Um, Want to talk about some of the nominations in the key categories, talking about best television series, all that stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. So best, uh, you know, best series in the drama category is really interesting because uh, the Taylor Sheridan historical drama 1923 is going up against The Crown, um, the spy series The Diplomat, which just debuted in the last year on Netflix, uh, the End of the World series that grabbed so many headlines earlier this year, The Last of Us, and uh, Jennifer Aniston's drama The Morning Show and Succession. So that is a packed category, uh, or, or a, yeah, a packed category. And I think that this might be Succession's year. Succession has won in the past, um, but it leads all the Golden Globe nominations this year with nine. And this is the final season that it's being uh, nominated, the final season of Succession for the Golden Globes. Um, and it is a very, very strong season. Uh this show has just been a, something that just came out of the gate and just grabbed headlines um, from the get-go, and it didn't lead up. Uh, it didn't let up, and uh, so I expect it to win. But also, I don't want to count out The Last of Us, which is another show that took the world by storm and boasted wonderful performances by Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey. Um, every new episode of that show that came out drew rave reviews from critics and fans alike. Um, the only big surprise for me is the Taylor Sheridan drama 1923, because aside from Harrison Ford and Helen Mirren doing some powerhouse acting, I didn't find the show all that compelling. So it was oh. a bit of a head scratcher that it was even in there. Um, but I wanted to open it up to the two of you. Do you have any mm -hmm. thoughts on this category and a show that you know might deserve to win? Morning Show is the only one I watched. Uh, it was yeah. brilliant. It actually kind of surprised me when you say it's Jennifer Aniston's show. I guess, but, you know, it's just so star-studded, right? And um, it, it was doing really well, like, in terms of every season had people thinking, like, oh, my goodness, and they were taking a lot of different angles. But I can't remember if they won anything already in the past. Yeah, yeah, they they haven't won anything major, and yeah, the only reason I said Jennifer Aniston is because I mean I guess I could have said Reese Witherspoon, I could have said Billy Crudup. Yeah. You're right, it is a jam. You know, John Hamm is in the latest serious season of of the Morning Show. So yeah, I was just kind of like name association Jennifer Aniston <laughs> yeah. for the Morning Show. What about you, Kel? Any any drama that jumps out at you that you th think might uh, might win in this category? No, I, I mean the, I actually <laughs> what you describe here. I do, but I'm looking at them. I'm like. Where have I been? Because some of these I'd probably, uh, I mean, the morning show I've heard of, I've heard of uh, The Last of Us, but a lot of time I, I don't stop to think, okay, what is this about? Add this to my list and that kind of thing. So, and really finding that time. That's that's what happens when you're a sports watcher, right? But even on yep. Netflix where I can stream so much, you know, I still miss out on a lot of these things and try to just pick up the scuttlebutt about them. But again, Greg, if I did that, you'd never see me because I'd enjoy watching all this stuff. Well, you bring up a really good point. I mean, out of all all of these series are on different streaming services, which means that you're paying for all those different yeah. streaming services if you want to watch them. And we talked That's about right. that cost before. So there is that the fact that you're not going to be able to watch everything to to be caught up when these nominations come out. That's why these award shows are kind of getting a little 
iffy for me because it's yep. not even like we're talking cable TV anymore. We're talking no. like yep. hundreds of dollars in various streaming services. I guess it is more of a binge culture now, so you can mm. get through any of these things like between now and the actual awards and but say you would have never an watched a lot of stuff anyway. A lot still went by me back then. It's the option though of being yeah. able at least to put it on without spending money, Rum. That's but it's kind of like a people's totally. choice vibe without. Yeah, people's I think choice. it has to be, I, and I think. I still say with, with the issues we've had with whatever awards, you are going to get that because it's some other panel deciding. It's not rum. It's not. It, it is maybe ratings to a point, of course, but yeah, it, but it is really. done a different way. Mm. But I agree with you. It, it's it is different, even though I know it back in the cable days when oh yeah, you could watch anything you want as long as you pay for cable and it's out there. But it's also just there's so many. There's yeah. just there's you you really probably couldn't watch even if it was still on cable with all this uh you know channels. Um, Greg, anything else, or should we move on to best television series? Yeah, why don't we move on to best television series, musical or comedy? Okay. Yeah. You want me to okay. run through them? Let's go. Sure. All right, so we've got Abbott Elementary, which is the only cable series. Uh, it's on ABC in the mix, uh, and that's taking on HBO's Barry, Disney Plus's mm -hmm. restaurant series The Bear, the mockumentary mm -hmm. series Jury Duty, Disney Plus's Only Murders in the Building, <laughs> and Ted Lasso. <laughs> Only murders in the building. I can't even believe how big this show is, honestly. Anyways, you carry on first. No, no. I think that, you know, that's that's fair. Ed has been huge. Ted Lasso has been huge. Uh -huh. um, but I'm, I'm thinking that Barry is probably going to take this category. Again, a show that ended its, its uh, most recent season was the last one. Now, that is also the case with Ted Lasso. I don't feel like this last season of Ted Lasso, although it was nice, hmm. I didn't think it was as strong as previous seasons. But... Bill Hader's creation, Barry, um, is the story of a tortured hitman trying to go legit. <laughs> it was outrageous and hilarious and heart-wrenching in its final season. The writing and the performances were wonderful. It did get a little bit weird at times, but that's because Bill Hader wrote it. He also directed it, so there was some weird stuff going on in that final season. So I'm expecting Barry to win. The odd man out in here is The Bear. And the reason I say that yeah. is because it's not a comedy. There were some funny moments, but if you watch this latest season of The Bear, there was so much conflict and drama. There's a Christmas episode, guys, that I couldn't watch because there was too much family conflict, and I couldn't take it. There was wow. nothing funny about it. It was it was totally dramatic. Um, instead, I would have much rather seen um, Shrinking, which is the Apple TV series starring Harrison Ford and Jason Segel in this category, uh, just because it is genuinely a laugh-out-loud show. Harrison Ford is hilarious in Shrinking. So if you got the extra money, pay for Apple TV Plus and check that out. But okay. Rami, any thoughts on, on this category and what you think? I don't know where to dish out my extra money anymore, Greg. Um, I know. Yeah. <laughs> no, I totally agree with you. The Bear, although it had very comedic moments, I still haven't watched season two, though. Um, it's not what I would go to for comedy. Uh, in everything else, I thought Abbott Elementary is awesome, and yep. I haven't watched Shrinking or what did you say was going to take it? Uh, Barry. Uh, yeah, I haven't watched Barry or Shrinking yet, but uh, Only Murders in the Building? Come on. Like, the acting isn't even good. It's literally because her name is on the show. Uh, what? Selena Gomez. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I didn't love it at all. Like, could well, barely you, get into it. The names Martin Short and Steve Martin don't have any pull? I mean, yes. About? Okay, they do. Oh, sorry, yes. <laughs> but it's generational, okay? I'm thinking of Steve Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> sure. And I'm going to agree right there. Um, 
you know, and Greg, I love the dark humor of stuff like, you know, whether it's an upsetting Christmas show, uh, the, you know, episode. I think you need that if you're doing a series and you have. But it's fun. not even but a comedy to begin with. No, I'm going back to um, the bear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the bear. Because, but that's where you you find it's hard because some people have that very dark sense of humor about those things. And again, I think that that's what that's what takes it for a lot of people. And people's sense of humor is so different. Mm-hmm. It's so weird. And again, I don't think to have something that kind of falls in there, you have to be laughing every every two or three minutes. Yeah. You're going to have, I mean, I love some of my most serious episodes of shows are comedies. Yeah. And I think the impact is even worse. Now, maybe several in a row. Eh. Greg, anything quickly you want to say about All the Late We Cannot See before we wrap up? Oh, sure. Yeah, I think it was wonderfully done. Um, uh, I think it, it, it it's definitely in the conversation to win in the limited series category. Um, but uh, Daisy Jones in the Six is nominated in this category as well. And it was just a fantastic show about a band that gets together and breaks up. Uh, kind of has um, the flavor of Fleetwood Mac in there. The soundtrack mm-hmm. was killer for the show. Um, but we'll have to wait and, uh, and see. Um, we'll have to tune in on Sunday, January the 7th at 8 p.m. Eastern on CTV and CBS to see who wins. Okay. Thanks, pal. Appreciate Work it. Wicked. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hmm? Oh, he said thanks what? for having me. I thought he said something else. Never mind. Okay, Greg David <laughs> joins us every other week on Wednesdays <laughs> for TV Talk. He's our communication specialist here at AMI. Hmm? Hmm? Oh, coming up hmm? next, folks. <laughs> An asteroid will pass in front of a bright star <laughs> to uh, show us a, an amazing work of eclipse. Uh, Mark Phoenix is here with us for the buzz next to talk about it. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Welcome back to the program. It's Kelly and Ramya. Weekdays here from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern. As we get you set for the Christmas feel, the Christmas in the air, and oh, over the holidays, please check out our special uh, Friday the 29th at 8 p.m. Eastern time, where you can check out the special that we did in front of the live studio audience a couple of weeks ago. That is when that show, our primetime special, uh, will be on the air. Do check it out. So, um, your family... We talk about your mother manipulating the situation, <laughs> getting you these great clothes and stuff like that, and trying to make your others disappear, the ones that are My just TV not fit wardrobe. For, yeah, more than the just ones sweats that aren't and hoodies. in her mind fit yeah. for, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so is that what you expect at Christmas time, these things to appear? Oh, yeah. Winter so coats, what, cute clothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most left, most definitely. That this is Sometimes when footwear. To, the, Sometimes she's others, nice and she'll buy me sneakers. Do others get influenced to do the same thing? No. No, no the, like the, the rest of us in the family, with, well, we don't do you need should. to have gifts. We do, like, this is okay. what I know you want gifts. Yeah, this is what you want. This is for fun. This is only for fun. And yeah. this is a totally useless This is stuff you wouldn't get yourself, but exactly. Yeah. Yep. So awesome. I guess she's just I, like I a mom that. through and through. That's all. Hey, nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Somebody's got to do the job. I'm sure sometimes she says it's There's one time she got a socks. Thankless job. Got a what? Socks. A what? Socks, not like not like cute Christmas socks, like practical socks. Just socks, just, just practical yeah, socks. Yeah, like warm socks. We. <laughs> You'd be pretty mad if you were out of them and no one bothered. Oh, why would you want a gift like that? Just get frostbite, <laughs> folks. Uh, Wednesday through Friday, we usually visit with Bill Shackleton, who's away. So we welcome in Mark Phoenix, who's been stepping in and uh, 
filling the role and the job. Thank Mark. How are you? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. Kelly, Ramya, hope you're uh, doing okay halfway across the country today. Mm-hmm. Thank you, sir. Uh, what age were you when the clothing really started to trickle in at Christmas time, Mark? Um, well, you know, probably about when I was like six or seven, but you know, there was always a piece of clothing and a bunch of toys. So I never minded. You didn't mind that? No, um, not at all. Because clothing came in all the time, really, when you're that age. But mm -hmm. at Christmas was... time, there's always that certain thing, right? The sweater or the coat. Yeah, but if it was mingling well, with the toys, then you're good. You didn't well, mind. see, now I'm at the age where I like clothing and I want clothing. And People uh, keep giving you toys. My, now you get my... toys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I get my own toys, and they're rather expensive. Uh -huh. But, you know, my, my, <laughs> wife has ex my wife has excellent taste. This... Uh, this uh, checked uh, collared shirt I'm wearing, uh, my the rest of my wardrobe, even you know the hair and the look on my face. This is her work. You know <laughs> she knows what she's are. doing. I trust her. Yeah. Okay. You know. And sometimes it's those good. little things hair for makeup, fun. Wardrobe. Here, get me a gift certificate. <laughs> oh, does it have there to be go. a clothes place? Ah, Mark, where do you want to start, pal? Well, uh, we're going to start in space uh, from the Associated Press, where if you were very lucky and in certain parts of the world Monday overnight, you got to see an eclipse, not of the sun, not of the moon, but of the star Betelgeuse. Ramya, say that three times fast. Uh, which part? Just Betelge oh, Betelgeuse? Oh, no, I can't do it. Yes, you can. I know, but am I going to, what's, what's the thing again? It's up there with your mind, Bob. Betelgeuse. Betelgeuse, 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 Betelgeuse. Okay. But you've got to show time. Each time. <laughs> gotta be louder each time. Beetlejuice. 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 You gotta do it that way, right? Okay, all right. I'll just go look at some of the memes and learn. There you go. Okay. It's showtime. Oh my God. Uh, one of the biggest and brightest stars in the night sky momentarily vanished, or at least dimmed, when an asteroid passed in front of it in a one-of-a-kind eclipse. Nice. Uh, the spectacle, late Monday to early Tuesday, our time, uh, was visible to millions of people along a very narrow path stretching from Tajikistan, Armenia, Turkey, Greece, Italy, Spain, uh, Miami, and the Florida Keys, and part Parts of Mexico. The star, as I said, is Betelgeuse, a red supergiant in the constellation Orion, beautiful and bright in the night sky. If you can see, you might recognize the Orion's belt, three stars in a row, the four stars around mm -hmm. it. Betelgeuse is the red one on the upper left, if you're looking at it from the northern hemisphere. The asteroid is Leona, a slowly rotating, oblong little space rock in the asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter. Astronomers hope to learn more about Betelgeuse and Leona through the eclipse, which lasted no more at any point than 15 seconds. Um, the wow. uh, Yeah, there are lingering uncertainties over various predictions about how long it would have lasted, how much the star would be dimmed, partly over, you know, not knowing much about Leona, partly because things still aren't known about Betelgeuse, which despite only only being about 600 light years away, relative terms, its actual size is still kind of in dispute. Uh, it's one of very few stars that actually have a disk uh, in the night sky when you look at it close enough. It's actually the third largest um, visible in the sky behind our own sun and the star R. Doratus. Um, it's estimated its size stre would stretch out to beyond our asteroid belt if we're replacing our solar system, possibly out beyond Jupiter. It's unknown right. because the star pulses. It's it's only about 10 million years old, but it's in the final phase of its life. And scientists yeah. were hoping to determine how large the star really is. Is it pulsing? Are there interesting things about its outer layers? It's expected to explode in the next 
hundred thousand years or so. So you know, take a good uh, look at it while you can. <laughs> um, <laughs> some, uh, now the red videos, giant, Mark. That yeah. that they usually they say when it becomes the red giant and grows almost like what is it a thousand times its size, something crazy like that. Mm -hmm. um, it gulps up the, the closest, usually three. Uh, asteroids, planets, whatever it might be. Like, it's a real scary thing when you think about, <laughs> and and stars do this. Our sun will eventually, you know, do it. Um, but mm -hmm. you think about the size of it and what we do or don't know. I wonder when they when they named it Beetlejuice. I'm, I'm, of course, I'm curious of that. When How long we've been kind of aware of this thing? I, I got to imagine it's been quite a while since it's so bright. Absolutely. Well, the name originally comes from, I believe, Arabic. It's a bit a bit of a corruption of the word Yad al-Jaza, shoulder of the hunter, uh, I think is what it works out to. Mm. For whatever reason, that shifted to Bayat al-Jaza and Beetlejuice, as we call it now, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Um, yes. The star, yeah, like I said, it's only about 10 million years old. Our star will swell in about 5 billion years. Uh, Betelgeuse is a different type of star. It started much bigger, much brighter earlier on, uh, and it's burned it through its fuel much faster, and its life is going to end as a big, bright supernova. When it goes, it'll be about as bright as a half moon for about three months, and then slowly fade from the sky, leaving a yeah. eventually a nice white cloudy giant. remnant. Is that what they call people. it? And they, they fall into a, what is a, it? A white? A uh, super... Super giant is what you're looking for. Right. Okay. What our sun yeah. is going to do is what's called a white dwarf eventually. That's it. Sorry, that's what I meant. Yeah. yeah, a little bit of a throwback in terminology, but uh, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, um, it will still swallow our Earth. It'll still be, you know, cooked to a you know nice crisp long after we're gone. We don't need to worry about that. Wow. But uh, yeah, there were a couple of videos posted online, kind of showing Beetlejuice dimming for you know a moment as the asteroid passed in front of it. It'll be some time before we find out what the uh, but the people with the spectroscopes and the really sensitive instruments uh, have been able to find out from it. Yeah, that's true too. And then I just think more basically the the kind of descriptions that we're able to get now, you know, with all the accessible astronomy conversations we've been having and sound, right? Like this, these images being uh, translated into sound and also AI descriptions and all of these things just to get an actual idea of what that eclipse looked like. Absolutely. Well, I saw one person posted a luminosity chart of the star during the uh, during the eclipse, and it you know you could use it as a waveform. You could try oh, to translate yeah. it into yeah. some kind oh, of just gotcha. like you know a sound by frequency or mm -hmm. you know level modifications. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's mm -hmm. definitely ways you could make this kind of thing more accessible to people. Wicked. Mm -hmm. Well, how about we bring things back to Earth? Um, All right. In if the present we day, very well. If we have to. <laughs> I mean, I love space. I could go on forever. So you better just get me on to the next subject. Uh, this is from Vice, where researchers have identified previously unknown elements of whale vocalizations that may be analogous to human speech. This is according to a preprint that has been published. So, you know, still waiting for peer review. Um, this focuses on sperm whales, giants of the deep. Healthy adults have no known predators, aside from whatever humans have been doing to their environments. Scientists studying their vocalizations have already picked out key elements of their communication, namely clicks, sequences of which are called codas. Now a research team from the University of California, Berkeley, report the discovery that the acoustic properties of these clicks, you know, pitch, frequency, timing, mm -hmm. are, quote, on many levels analogous to human vowels and diphthongs, which is, mm -hmm. you know, when one vowel sound morphs into another. Uh, mm -hmm. They've even been able to identify two unique coda vowels at their 
they're calling them, that are actively exchanged in communication between sperm whales. The researchers explained in the paper that the first clue to the so-called spectral properties uh, came from uh, software. AI. They constructed a model to analyze all these whale vocalizations recorded over time. And not only did it predict elements of whale vocalizations already thought to be meaningful, but it also singled out the properties of those clicks. Um, after that, they put hydrophones on whales between 2014 and 2018. I'd love to know how you managed that. 3,948 sperm whales, in fact. Um, wow. Or vocalizations, I should say, and collected in those four in those four years. Uh, after analysis, they not only picked out uh, the timing of the codas, but also things like the frequency um, below the 10 kilohertz uh, range. Uh, very, very interesting work at combining, you know, analysis, predictive analysis from really advanced, you know, software like what we're calling AI, and being able to pick out elements of consistent communication. We, we might actually, within our lifetimes, figure out a way to say hello to a sperm whale. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, because it's going to be the only way you can gather so much, analyze it so quickly for it to be within our lifetime, but also to take out some, again, as we were talking earlier in the show, about our own biases when we gather, we guess. We, and I know you have to use some intuition, some what you think you know, but you also just want to look at that raw data and just take it for what it's worth at times, Mark. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of the, you know, when people think about, oh, you know, animal lang non-human language yes. whale language they focus on like you know the clicks or the squeaks or whatever right and yes. maybe not don't focus on the frequency yet there yeah, are human right. languages that absolutely rely on tone Obviously. on frequency yeah. uh um mandarin vietnamese for example They're come to tonal. mind as tones they're mm. heavily tonal mm -hmm. look and even yes. our english you can say to somebody absolutely. something but it all yeah. depends mm -hmm. on how you say it right and what you mean we know that how yeah. you say it how you say it how you say it <laughs> That's there right. you go. Also, when we communicate with animals, I'm more particularly thinking like domesticated pets and such, uh, we try to like meet in the middle of like them understanding what we're communicating to them or, uh, you know, gestures and more physical body language and things like that. Whereas this is much, much deeper. Like we're trying to meet them at their level. Uh, when Obviously, when we're talking about the future of actually being able to communicate directly with the whales. This is very Certainly. fascinating. Well, and, right. and well, the reactions from the others that we take and look at that raw data to see what those responses are. It's, it's, it's fantastic. Absolutely. I cannot wait to find out where this is going to go next. Uh, let's jump okay. to the last item from CBC. Oh, we're going to cut seconds. you off, man. We're going to well, we save 30 that. seconds. Well, we're going to yeah. save it. Okay. Yeah. yeah let's Can you save tease it, though? Let's... Tease it. What is yeah. this? Yeah. She likes um, you to do that. Well, we have a, we now have a slightly better idea of what uh, meat-eating dinosaurs liked to chow down on. Oh, good, good oh, tease. Oh, favorite buffet food, good right? Tease. Oh yeah. Uh, and I, I think Mark, the answer right off the top, without knowing, we'll get into this later. Is anything they can catch? Thanks, pal. That's right. There we go. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. <laughs> kind of like humans. Funny that way. Mark Phoenix filling in for Bill Shackleton. We call it the buzz. Join us tomorrow when he rejoins us on the program. In the next hour, though, we've got one of those ahead before the show for today is over. What is pop proper etiquette? 
at a work party. Proper etiquette at a work party. Kevin Shaw joins us to discuss. And on our Traveling with JJ segment, JJ Hunt stops by to chat about the beautiful markets in Fez, Morocco. But up next, what can you do over the holidays in Montreal? Community reporter Mathieu Rochette, he'll be here to give us some ideas. Stand by. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Settle in with us, ladies and gentlemen. We're here in Toronto, and we welcome you wherever you are listening in around the world via AMI-audio, maybe on TuneIn Radio, OO Tunes, or to the podcast of the program. Subscribe using your favorite podcast platform, or maybe you're watching us on AMI-tv, glad to have you on board. Lots ahead this hour. Please stick around, settle in, grab a drink. What, Ramya, hot chocolate? Is that what you're suggesting at this time yeah. of for folks? Or a nice chai tea. Oh, a chai tea is always good. I like or I guess a peppermint though. latte for people who are into that. Or the big old eggnog, right? Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah, I actually forgot all about egg. Is this like the first time I we're know. talking about eggnog on the show? For sure, on this show. Mm, okay. Anyway, we're getting the hour started with the community report. Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, we check in with our community reporters. And today we're going to Montreal, Quebec, where we're checking in with Mathieu Rochette. Matt, welcome back. How's it going? Very good. And you guys? Doing well. It's December, so of course we're keeping in touch with all the festivities. And you want to tell us about what we can do in Montreal in December, very timely, uh, by going to the website. <laughs> What's the website? Oh, okay. Yeah, the website. Well, I mean, it's. Um, I just found out it could be a great idea. Like, it's Go Montreal. This is like um, an, an organization working with the city hall for uh, booking your trips and stuff. So they're working for improvement, like to give ideas and following all festival all, all the year, actually. But I particularly uh, put this one in links for, for, for December because I know, like, Kaylee like to go Montreal few times and i think it could be like a better like a nice way to find out quickly all like all activities there's the links there that website is fully accessible so i really highly guys to to go there and i made a selection on a few different things in montreal of course i'm not gonna do all of them because there's a lot from actually starting a few days ago until the end of this current year so let's let's start with our trip in the morning with Village uh, de Noël in town. So it, this is like in Quartier Latin, near downtown. This is a traditional Christmas uh, village that you can find out pretty much everywhere. But of course, we do have our local touch with our artisan and local product. So I highly recommend you to go there. Of course, my friend Kelly, you can find your breakfast over there. I know like we have a few times to speak about foods, so you can definitely find some great stuff over there. And then you can move on, because you're close, to St. Catherine near Phillips Square. And this is, this is something new on this year, actually, and I, find, and I really like the idea. So we know on this time of the season, we have a lot less light, natural lights coming from the sun, because the days are you know, they, we have less time outside. So they do, they have they installed six towers will give you luminotherapy experience. And wow. this is, yeah, right. 
I, I find really, yeah, I like the idea. So it's smooth, it's quiet. You can just, you know, relaxing, sitting there and just have a small walk there and enjoy the benefits of the light. And then, because again, you are close, you can go at Salon des Métiers d'Art and find out all our artisan local product that they bring mm. in here in town. And I like the twist of this year. They're also bringing some historic uh, items from, you know, for our patrimony. And you can, you know, some of them, of course, you won't be able to touch, but I know you can manipulate some others. So I always like uh, those stuff. You can, you know, yeah. touching like some items that they were there a hundred years ago and different forms and stuff. So always interesting. And after that, let's say that you are with your families and the kiddo like to, uh, you know, having a different view of the town. There's just this Christmas railroad uh, provided by the Canadian Museum uh, trains bring you to visit the city nice. with different angles. And of course, Kelly, at the end, might have the chance to sit down on the, on the Santa's lap. I know you're a big fan, so you can go there, have some fun, visit Santa. And for you, Romeo, I found out, you know, you like, in general, music, books. Mm. Mm -hmm. So you can go at Vieux-Port de Montréal and have some great times listening back to music. Really good mm. at this time of the season. Lovely, yeah. Right. Um, there's also, like, other kind of local music uh, provided by our local uh, musician, different uh, artisan will be also there. You can skate, which is always pleasant if you, of course, like uh, skating. Having some fun with the local food, different restaurants and stuff. And the cherry on the Sunday, which is, I was there seven years ago about, and it was really amazing. It's to go there on the New Year's Eve. Um, they all close the Jacques uh, Cartier's Bridge, um, the Vieux Port de Montréal, and having this massive party with everyone in town there and have, be there for the countdown of 10 seconds and celebrate the New Year's Eve all together. The, the, uh, the metro will be open till 2 a.m. in the morning. So this is the perfect time to have some great time all together. Um, of course, there's like, and you can all find out, like I said, at gomontreal.org, all uh, information, links are all there. Guys, I think this is a, you know, it's been a tough year for wow. many reasons. This is the time to just have some fun, celebrate all together. And uh, yeah. Happy New Year's, guys. Mm. I love it. I love the idea, especially the closing of the bridge and everything. Just the yeah. feeling as a kid, I really loved Montreal at Christmas time. Um, and again, I was very little. Um, maybe it's just the fact that I was very little, but just going into malls, going into play, seeing Santa, the field, the music everywhere. Um, it was just a, such a such a fun place, fun time. Did, uh, did you, um, during the summer when you were here, did you already... Um, uh, um, um, be there when there was the, how you call it the uh, hmm, uh, the fire things like uh, like the fireworks 
like the wow. symphony thing or uh, symphony thing the um fireworks displays yeah exactly oh, like okay. they take place yeah. like every wednesday and saturday and when they uh, oh when no they... no you oh, never gosh, oh no. this is beautiful no. honestly i remember when i was i still have a bit of vision when i was younger and all the color takes place and when you are under under Jacques Cartier's bridge and when they're closing all lights this is fantastic that sounds gorgeous uh, see, what I remember so much about that area and that bridge was being on the boats on the water because when I was a oh. little kid, uh, the, the, the the amusement park was there, the old Belmont Park. Oh, and yes, right. That's that's what I remember the most and getting and being on the boat. So I can only imagine what that was like and, and zipping over across to go into Shamity and just having people meet there for, for a celebration like that. Oh, yeah. I don't remember if they did it then. Um, because usually we were at home on New Year's Eve, so I, I, I don't know, I don't think they closed it at that point, but I, when you pick, make you picture it, oh, and that area now is so different, but so welcoming to that. Oh, yeah. No, it's really, it's oh, yeah. really outstanding even. Honestly, guys, if everyone's listening now, if you get the chance to be there at the, 30, uh, the 31st, really highly recommend you to go there. That is a fantastic experience. Uh, and the bridge is so different because I know they were, mm -hmm. when I was there, they were starting that overhaul of it. And uh, I know it's oh, a very wow. different bridge since the last time I went across mm -hmm. it. It's so much bigger. So I, I can imagine oh, yeah. the feel. Uh, Matthew, you want to move on to your second item here, Telaid Montreal team. What, what's this all about? Okay, yes. So, I mean, I don't want to kill the moon or anything to anyone, but this is, you know, this is a reality that, all of us sometimes are facing it. Some of others, right? So, look, guys, um, you have an addiction. You're feeling alone, depressed. This is unfortunately natural in a way. Um, so, Telide, it's there for decades now, and they are just waiting your phone call to give you some help. Just having a chat with you guys to change your, your mood. You don't need to be alone. You don't need to feel alone in this virtually time of this, of the year. Yes. It's right. I know holidays it's, it, it's could be pleasant for a lot of people and totally the opposite for others. So, and I'll just give an heads up for personally, for me, I, I am an alcoholic person. I just stopped, uh, uh, seven months ago now, and I know sometime I have some rush. It's not always easy. So if it's your situation, guys, just for give you an example of you know being addicted to something. I mean, if that just little phone call can give you the help you need to just move on, change your mind. Mm -hmm. Don't hesitate twice to do it. Just do it. It's it's easy. It's free. They all seven days. All week, any times you need, French, English, doesn't matter. They are all there just waiting for you to to call them and change your mind. So you can all find the information, of course, on the website, uh, telaid.org. Or you can call 514-935-1101. 935-1101. And, yeah. Have a really, really fun holidays, guys. I wish you all the best. And guys, did you thought about what would be your goal for the next year? 
Mm. Oh no, mean, New Year's uh, resolutions? Yeah. Come yeah, on. He's going to start that, you see? Come on, see? Matt. Uh, well, well, you need to, to start it, it now if you want to achieve. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matt, fine, you, uh, fine. I'll sign up uh, for my gym ooh. membership now. Start uh, working on it. Yeah, and then by February it'll be gone. Uh, Matthew, <laughs> yep. thank you for the information. There's so much there to take away. Also, sir, thank you for your openness and encouragement because it is a, it can be for some a very lonely time of the year, no matter yeah. what you're yeah, going through. Is. No matter how positive it can be, we still have our moments. Thank you, pal. Uh, just a bad day sometime. It's you know you the bet. great thing is to just tomorrow, and that's it. And ironically, mm -hmm. it can be some of the most isolating times of the year for people. Yeah, this it time, certainly so. can, yeah. for sure. Matt, thank Matthew, you. We'll talk to you next year. Happy New Year. Hey, take care, guys. Yeah, and we'll uh, want to know Happy exactly what you're resolutions. promising to accomplish next year with your resolution. <laughs> Am I the only one doing the gym thing? Okay. All right. Matt was one of our community reporters. He joins us from Montreal, Quebec, and we check in with our community reporters on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays. You're the only one talking about doing it anyway. <laughs> I am being so sarcastic in case that didn't come through. Oh, a little more. Okay. Just weaken the acting. I'll try again. <laughs> Coming up after the break, ladies and gentlemen, on our traveling segment with uh, JJ. Uh, JJ Hunt stopped by to talk to us about the beautiful markets in Morocco. We'll get back to that conversation after this. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. Welcome back to the program. Ramya and Kelly here, your hosts of the program. She's in Toronto at the studio there. I'm in London, Ontario at the home studio. And we are working our way through another week of shows on the network. Uh, networks, ladies and gentlemen. And however you're joining us, wherever you are, we appreciate it. Speaking of wherever people are, Ramya, we mm -hmm. really enjoy learning about that. We learn, love to learn about traveling. But we love to paint images in our mind. And who better to do it is audio describer J.J. Hunt as he joins us to talk travel on the program. J.J., welcome back. How are you? Well, how are you guys doing? Always, wow. uh, always having fun and anticipating, I think, is the term right now <laughs> that I have. So can we get into our conversation? Notice I'm rushing it, J.J., because one thing <laughs> dealing with you has taught us that we get asking so many things. JJ, tell us that. JJ, tell us that. Until, <laughs> all right, one I minute. Put you to what? work. <laughs> all yeah. 15 so minutes. Right off the bat, exactly. From stem to stern, we pre-apologize for the next 100 months that this will happen. Um, today, you're here to talk about the beautiful markets in Fez, Morocco. Am I saying that right, Fez? Yeah, you've got it right. I, I, you know, I've just been doing all this Christmas shopping and, you know, going to the malls in, in Toronto and shopping online and, you know... That's fine, but it, it kind of lacks charm. It uh -huh. lacks character mm. doing your shopping online. And so this got me thinking about like really interesting shopping experiences, exciting shopping experiences. And my mind went right to Fez. We visited wow. Fez. My lovely lady uh, Lois and I visited Fez uh, in March 2017. We were there for about 10 days. Um, Fez, spelled either with a with an S or a Z, is the second largest city in Morocco, population of just over a million people, and it's an incredibly old city, very old city, founded in the 8th and ninth centuries, and that history is palpable in the Medina. So the Medina is the walled historic center of the city, and when you're there walking around, you can really, you can smell and 
taste and see and feel the age of the city as you mm. explore. It's just a remarkable place. Uh, when you say that, all I think about is that smell that is centuries and centuries and centuries of smell. Mm. Yeah, you really can. Like it, 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 every bit of woodwork, the plaster, the cobblestones, like it, 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 the history is in every part. Even even just the layout of the of the Medina, it, it, it's it's a maze. And I and I say that like everyone says, oh, it's a maze in there. It's a literal maze. Oh. The Medina oh. is roughly two and a half kilometers long by one and a half kilometers wide, roughly. And there are no cars. It's all alleyways laneways and covered corridors so it's the largest urban car-free zone in the world and there are something someone counted i read online 9454 alleyways with 4000 wow. of them ending what? in a dead end like that's it, wild it, it's a wild place and 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 the whole sit like this whole medina is surrounded by high high walls with only a few historic gates as the main entrances and the gates oh, have man. this very um uh this kind of uh, uh, famous keyhole shape. It's a, uh, and, and that's the only way in and out is by these main gates. And once you enter the Medina, just put your map away. Like don't, don't bother trying yes. to find anything really? or walking on a person. No, you just, the, the thing to do is just wander. Like I said, we were there for a week and we barely figured out the layout. You know, we would Good just start grief, our day. You could never revisit a place. You'd no, lose it. Only, only if you discovered it by happenstance. And this was kind of part oh. of the charm you have to give yourself yeah. over to is once you get in there, you never know quite what you're going to find, but you can be guided by 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 scent and you can be guided by sound. And, and the, these roadways are these alleyways are really narrow cobblestone. And some of them are barely as wide as my arms will extend. Oh. Most oh, are just grief. wide enough for foot traffic in both directions. And and there's like a lot of it's crumbling, right? So you've got this ancient architecture, crumbling plaster, old wooden doors with like studded with iron nail heads, really, really old. And then you turn a corner and you discover a mosque. There are over 300 mosques in the Medina. And some of them are exquisite, like every single surface, floors, walls, ceilings, archways, just covered in intricate tiny tiles maybe stone or marble relief carvings impossibly intricate patterns of delicate geometric and floral patterns or patterns based on arabic calligraphy and, and a lot of these mosques and public buildings they have been very well maintained over the centuries like there's the the, the oldest library in the world is in the fez medina and some even the public washrooms in the Medina are these gorgeous tiled bathhouses from centuries ago. We would totally embarrass ourselves every time we had to go to a public washroom because we would just like stand and gape and you know in awe in the middle <laughs> of this bathroom before. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, buddy, move along here, pal. <laughs> are, you, are you new to washrooms, sir? You know, I hear this. I'm reading a book on Kathmandu, and they describe parts of that the same way, uh, like these places where you could never find somewhere again but this even sounds tighter than that like unbelievable yeah it really is tight it's tightly packed and so it's hard to get a good sense of the the place as a whole unless you actually leave the medina you go up onto the mountainside nearby and yeah. look down at it you never get a sense of the of of the buildings or the uh Did or, you or do the that? scale 
Did you do that? We did. Yeah, we and? did. And 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 it was fascinating to because there were a handful of these mosques that would poke up from oh, right. you know you're up on on the hillside and you could see oh the, the top of a mosque a minaret and you're like oh i think that must be um the minaret where we saw this happen outside and then and then oh wasn't that the the tile pattern on the library and so you could sort of start to piece together um the from area. the outside but from inside right and i was just going to, to say is it flat because it's flat in there isn't it the hill you're talking you're looking outside down into and how high are the walls oh the, uh, oh the walls are uh, uh i mean i i don't have exact measurements on me but they're you know 20 30 feet high these okay. were yep. fortifications that would have <laughs> kept out uh arms you know who, who knows how many armies over the centuries Mm. Uh, JJ, like it sounds like there's just so much dimension to this, even though it's a maze to begin with. You said put away your maps. Did you walk around the outside of the Medina? There's no single path that goes all the way around the outside, but we would... Uh, go to these entrances, these gateways, um, because that's where a lot of the... Uh, you know, people start to flood in. And so if you go around to the outside of these, of these, you know, historic gateways, there's a different kind of market activity that's there. A lot of fruit and veg um, is sold right near the entrances. Cause I, right. I think Which that makes just sense. makes sense. Right. Yeah. yeah. There's a logic yep. to that. Yep. People come in for their daily fruit and veg and then they leave again. Um, if you don't live lots of people live in the Medina as well. Um, and oh. farmers, cause you'd get really interesting farm food. We were there um, in, in cactus fruit season. And I remember very clearly the, the farmers would uh, wheel up these flat, you know, wood wheeled carts, um, flatbed carts. They're just piled high with these fruits. And each one of these fruits was like, um, uh, uh, you know, like a palm sized teardrop shaped fruit with a um, with a kind of a pinkish hard outer shell. And, and you would just walk up to the cart and, and, the, and the vendor would hand you a, a toothpick. And then he would cut open this teardrop shaped fruit and it would pop open. And inside was this like plump, juicy, lychee like uh -huh. uh, fruit, beet red. And you'd poke it with a toothpick, pop it in your mouth, and then you would cut open another one and another one and another one. And you just keep popping these things into your mouth with a toothpick until the juice ran down your chin. And you said, <laughs> you tapped out, said, enough of that. And then you'd pay the vendor and walk away. That's amazing. Beautiful. Like, Beautiful. what an experience. I'm very overwhelmed trying to think about because originally when you gave us the dimensions of how um, long and wide the Medina is, I was like, okay, that's pretty big. But now you're saying people live in there. It's an absolute maze. You're going to get totally lost. Put away your maps. How crowded? Like, how, what's the feel? What's the noise level like? And are there people trying to get through these? narrow cobblestone breaking crumbling pads rolling things <laughs> driving things like obviously yeah. not motor vehicles but you know yeah, absolutely. Girl. So for, for lots of folks, this is this is just your home. This is your home neighborhood. And so you might live above a shop um, uh, or, you know, in one of the buildings or uh, uh, there might have even been apartment buildings in their complexes that I wouldn't have recognized as such. And yeah, the, the laneways are incredibly crowded sometimes, um, especially, you know, the beginning of the day, the end of the day when the kids come out of school or, uh, you know, folks are, are are coming home from work and then everyone rushes to the market and, you know, grabs some olives and pickles for, for dinner or goes to the butcher, grabs a bit of food on their way home. And so that the crowds are um, 
can be a little bit intense. Uh, there were times when we just plastered ourselves against the wall because there, no, there are virtually no courtyards. There are no open spaces to sit down. You can't find a park bench to just relax in. Mm. So sometimes you'd have to just tuck yourself against the wall and let life pass you by for a few minutes while you caught your breath. Wow. Uh, it, 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 can, it can be a little overwhelming, especially the scent. There, there are smells in the market. Some of them are glorious. Oh, like beautiful food set, food smells and cooking smells and spices and perfumes. All of those smell wonderful. But then there are a few smells that are horrendous. Okay. So um, leather making is one of the most uh, well-known things, uh, like one of the well-known products in Fez. And people have been making leather in traditional ways in the Medina since the 12th century. And as you're walking through the Medina, you could smell this absolutely horrendous foul scent and you, and you have to decide as a tourist yep. i think i know what that is am i am i walking right toward it or am mm -hmm. i walking away am i gonna fight my way through it wow. yeah, exactly. oh gosh and and that's the thing you think about things that aren't so great whether it be smell or safety you know what if there's a fire like you think oh, this wonderful place you'd hate to see some jj do they lock those gates ever i, I don't know well, how now you that's do that a with really good question there. Yeah, I mean, and they weren't they weren't locked when I was there. But then there were no hordes attacking. I'm sure if there right, had been some hordes that, <laughs> you know, if, yeah. if an army had yeah. come in, they probably had some uh, pretty impressive gates to close. But they were uh, as every time I saw them, they were wide open, and it's an inviting. It is a, an inviting place. I think there were probably like in any city, uh, uh, in any kind of urban setting, probably times a day, and you know, certain alleyways you wouldn't want to go down. But we certainly felt. Uh, completely safe uh, every day we were there, except our uh, the olfactory sense uh, uh, yeah. the, 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 yeah. being attacked by leather making. Right, right. Yeah, wow. exactly. Wow. Um, noise uh -huh. levels, what are you hearing? Oh, I, I, great question. So, I mean, lots of crowd, lots of conversation, people leaning over. So a lot of the a lot of the market stalls, the places where people are selling are basically like niches in the wall, like three sided rooms with a countertop over the mm. over the main entranceway and so loaded with goods that vendors would have to crawl under the counter. There's no door <laughs> at all. You have to crawl under to get in. And so lots of conversations about food and what to buy and what you need. And then you'd and then depending on what area you were in, you'd hear different kinds of so if you were in the sweets area lots of nougat like bright pink and 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 pastel green nougat with like uh chips of of almond in there in you know lining the walls of a stall and at the end of the school day lots of kids but are going to buy their after school sweets so you'd hear them or you'd go to the um tin making so punched tin is a real uh, a really big thing so you take oh. fine sheets of tin and hammer using like little tiny spikes ding 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 you'd hammer the tin into you know almost doily like lace incredibly wow. delicate so if you're in that qu quadrant then you're going to hear that like this symphony of tiny hammers hitting steel bits Re and then of course uh the the call to prayer uh several times a day right from the, yes. from, the from the minarets it's a beautiful oh, soundscape uh uh in, in in the medina it was really quite lovely and 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 charming to uh to to just allow yourself to get swept up in it
Yeah. What a picture. And I can't even imagine, imagine just the different things they do with every day, but the success in there, the 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 people, the tourism and, and just the day to day life. So many things, JJ, of course, we could ask you about in there, outside of there and, and living. Um, but of course, as usual, time ran out. Uh, we'll talk to you later on, man. We'll talk to you Always later does. on, JJ. Always Best of the season, sir. Thank you, guys. You guys have a good one. We'll talk to you again soon. You too. Now, if anyone is due parts A and B to his segments, this guy does. Wow. No kidding. Uh, wonderful. As we talk travel with uh, JJ Hunt once a month here on the program, we do this on the third Wednesday of the month usually. Coming up in just a moment, what is proper etiquette in the workplace at a party, particularly? Kevin Shaw joins us to discuss after this. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute. Thanks for being with us, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back. I'm Kelly McDonald with Ramya Muthan. Ooh, we're getting straight into business because, of course, we talk business chat once a month with Kevin Shaw. Do you have questions about how to turn your business dreams into reality? Join me, Kevin Shaw, a recovering entrepreneur, for answers to your questions and much more right here on Kelly and Ramya. Kev, I'm really looking forward to this next conversation we're having with well, you. Well, you already had your work party. Me, you already screwed up yeah, everything he's going to tell you. That is not it. There's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot more to come, right? So we're talking business etiquette for holiday parties, for dining. Um, I think and any and all of us can think of circumstances where we will need to know about at least something you're going to bring up today. So mm. you say that great etiquette starts at the invite phase. Why so? Well, uh, I mean, let's be clear that any time you're in a work environment, obviously having a party, doing some socializing, it's great for business, it's great for networking. Mm -hmm. um, but before you get there, you want to make sure that you are being a good guest by sending a proper RSVP uh, to... Um, you know, maybe it's a work function, maybe it's a dinner party, maybe it's something, you know, the boss says, Hey, I'm, I'm having some people over at my house. We'd like to know if you, you're going to come. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's always good idea. It's always a great idea to send a reply and that way your host knows how much food they've got to plan, how many drinks they've got to plan, if they've got to get extra seating, if they need a bigger space, um, and it's just as important to tell them that you're not coming because mm -hmm. you don't want them to make extra food or prepare an extra meal or to or hunt you down. Maybe they only to have a certain number of places and, yeah. and um, you know, we can only accept uh, X number of people. And if, if you say you're coming and you don't show up, that means, uh, you know, one other person who really wanted to go can't go. Mm. And it means Kelly's got to eat up the food that's, you just kind of left on Romeo the Romeo didn't show up for, yeah. <laughs> it's true, though. And, like, sometimes, I mean, we probably experience, you know, trying to hunt people down for their RSVPs and things like that, and it just gets really you shouldn't messy, right? All, yeah. Right. right. Yeah. It's rude. Really rude. And today it's really easy to re reply. Just, you know, send a reply on an email or send a, a text message. Sorry, I can't make it that day. You know, and make sure that you, you're responding in enough time. Don't, don't do it the day of. <laughs> um, but, 
you know, usually for something like that, it's got to be like a, you know, a really extreme circumstance. Mm-hmm. And work functions are funny because some people figure, well, you're having it anyway. You're going to have to have enough for all this stuff. But it's the same courtesies, you know, that that exactly, y- y- you know, whether your work is sitting there and ordering food and, and you know, well, come on, if I'm not there, nobody's going to miss me. Um, yeah. But it's that way, that ethic you want to live. Kevin, and actually, one of the things that- nowadays, too, we're not just talking about in-person, Kev. We're talking about virtual and Zoom calls and all this stuff. So really, yeah. it, it does give us this... Uh, it, Kelly, exactly what you said. It gives us this kind of like, ah, who's going to miss me on a Zoom call? Reason, and they're not going to buy RSVP. food. I'm buying my own. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And a lot of it too is, you know, now they're doing, um, you know, I've been part of a couple of hybrid things where, you know, people get together in a room and they they put uh, all of the Zoom participants or the, you know, Teams participants up on a screen and they've all got like Uber Eats gift cards and you're, you know, dining out on, on whatever they've, they've brought into the office right. for you. So, you know, it's a, it's a really great idea to make sure that you, that you say that you state, Hey, I'm going to be in person or I'm going to be online or I'm not coming at all. Or say that you're coming online and then actually show up in person and be like, I decided I wanted yeah. the food. Yep. That's too bad. Not you're, nice. You're, you're, those plates were just given away. Kevin, when we talk a lot about being ready to go, it's knowing what to wear. We're always stuck. Well, what should I wear to the, uh, this event anyway? Or, you know, what do I have? Um, understanding the dress code, incredibly important. Yeah. Uh, we talked a little bit about dress code and, and etiquette uh, in, in a segment prior to this. And I've put a resource into the, uh, the Kelly and Ramya blog. So you guys can go and check that out there. But it's always a good idea, especially for something that's in person, um, to get an idea of the of the dress code, maybe it's ugly Christmas ugly Christmas sweater uh, uh, festivities, and you've got to go and find an ugly Christmas sweater to wear. Maybe it's um, maybe it's something that's a little bit more dressed up. Maybe it's something that's a little more casual. Find out from your team. Find out from your boss. Find out from the you know the the work people that you're that you're working with or your industry colleagues as to what the dress code is. Err on the side of going more more uh, dressy than than not. Um, obviously, you don't want to show up wearing a you know a tuxedo to uh, <laughs> to something that's completely casual. Um, but uh, you know you, you definitely do want to put your best foot forward and make sure that you come dressed for the occasion. These are, these are things that honestly make me uncomfortable. Like I'm thinking, if is it a person's house? Do I need to dress up? Um, what is casual if it's your boss's house? You know, like all <laughs> kinds of things. Is it very corporate, like the environment that you work in during work? Yeah. Or, you know, like there, well, is it happening at a venue? If it's happening impaired. at a venue, it's easier to understand. But if it's someone's being house party. Impaired, I find it hard to because I don't know what the different, the VPs, like, should I match their, their are they <laughs> yeah. going to dress up? Are, so you, I like you say, Rum, you got to have the conversation some way with somebody mm. to kind of know, hey, at the Christmas party, so at least do two we tend to just have ugly up. sweaters or how many <laughs> four, yeah. how many people are in suits or who I'm impressing? I don't even want to say impressing, but who don't I want? I don't want to offend people. You right. know, should I show up in right. the jeans because I work in this area? of the company and it's okay for they us to do casual. that and this is a casual party mm-hmm. so i'm yeah. casual i'm relaxed yeah yeah and you know we're, we can always talk more about uh about etiquette and and attire but again if you are if it is casual 
you know, make, make sure it's nice casual, make sure your jeans are mm. not faded. They don't have holes that, uh, oh, man. uh, you know, that, that, that you look, Ooh. that you look presentable and, and that you're putting your best foot forward and that you're, you know, even if you're casual and you're just showing up in jeans and a sweater, that it's a nice pair of jeans and a yeah. nice sweater. I got to throw out all my jeans now. Okay, so um, just make sure that you dress the same way as somebody else so that at least two of you show up in the same way. How right. about small talk, Kevin? Well, this is a very important part of socializing. I know a lot of folks in our community, they, they might have you know issues around anxiety and, and making small talk with people. Um, which I know is not hard for, for folks like us who work in media and uh, who are comfortable for yourself. With, with talking. <laughs> um, but it's always a good idea. I, I say that it's, it's more important to be interested than to be interesting. So right. you don't have to talk 100% of the time and have you know amazing stories like like JJ does about uh, you know traveling the world and going and describing all of these things. Um, you want to make sure that you're drawing those kinds of things out from people and asking questions that start with why and what and how, and that way you're not getting those yes or no shutdown questions. So I'll give you an example. If we were at a party and I said, hi, Ramia, are you having a good time? And Ramia says, yes, that's the end of that conversation. If I ask Ramya, how are you enjoying the party? And Ramya says, oh, well, you know, it's, it's really great. And I love the music and, that gives me a place to go with the conversation right. as opposed to asking a question that's just yes, no. And we've all met people like this who can completely derail a conversation by giving us these kind of one word answers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you won't understand Remy's answer. It'll be lower like, <laughs> yes, I'm really enjoying full of the food, food. right? <laughs> <laughs> but you're being that active listener as because you're participating if the questions are, yes. are, are right. And if you are an active listener, boy, you can really just kind of ride along on a lot of what people come up like yourself, Kevin, and say, hey, are you enjoying yourself? Oh, well, I am. You know, but you can also let that person drive it and just respond and say, show you're listening and not just out the line. Am I, am yeah. I boring you? Well, probably, yeah. Or in Rummy's case, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> well, you got to find these common grounds, right? And sometimes that's harder than it seems, if especially if it's a bigger uh, event with people you haven't met yet or don't have things yeah. in common with. Yet. Yeah, you don't have to talk. You don't have to talk to everybody uh, mm -hmm. at the no. event. Um, you know, that's always, you know, it's always nice if you can say hi to a lot of people, but you don't have to. If if you want to introduce yourself to maybe set a goal of, you know, I want to, I want to meet five new people today and you have a good conversation with each of those five people, you know, that, that's certainly, um, you know, an achievable goal, especially for a, a really large gathering where it might be hundreds of people. Um, and when I say find common ground, maybe it's common ground about, uh, obviously it might be something about where you work. It might be your department. It might be music. It could be sports. It could be anything. Um, but have those kinds of conversations and be that active listener and uh, and and find that common ground with people and and you'll build some some connections. Again, you don't have to be best friends when you walk out, but it's it's important to make sure that you know, I always look at it th this way. You're there to make sure that people are having a good time even though you might not be. 
So if you're a little with nervous, that being said, other Kevin, feel less nervous. Hopefully you are. With that but being still. said, mm -hmm. yeah, but what about that posture and stuff that sometimes those of us from our community, particularly, we may not know. We may look like, oh, he's having a miserable time. Look at his shoulders slumped. And it, it, is it mm. worth having a conversation with those in our lives that have vision or or are in these situations because a lot of time, who's going to come up to you and say, boy, you you look miserable at something like this? Maybe at a friend's <laughs> house, they'll come up and say, God, you look like you want to go home because your shoulders are slumped, your head's down, or you're yawning, and people catch you, you know, doing it. Sure, you can't help it. Maybe you're tired. <laughs> but there's so many things that We're make you stop tired. and say, I'm not even aware of that. <laughs> oh. We're not tired. We just never. need to yeah, pretend like we're having bored. a good time. <laughs> that's, that's, that's how a great do you do point, that? Kelly. Yeah, that's a great point, especially for, for us in the sight loss community who maybe we have a posture that's that is you know can come across as a little bit standoffish because mm. we we obviously don't know or how to look make, on your face not making eye contact yeah. stuff like that yeah yeah you know things like that I, I think it's good to get some you know some coaching from a from a friend or a you know a trustworthy business mentor mm. uh as to as to posture and approach and and dress and attire and and Sometimes these things you you've got to practice them and and maybe start in a smaller gathering. Maybe it's a one on one lunch or maybe it's one on two, and and you can build build out from there. I, I think the worst thing that can happen in these kinds of situations is where we um, we say, well, I'm not going to go to the party because uh, I'm really nervous around people and uh, you know I'm afraid that I'm going to do something that that's going to embarrass me or embarrass somebody else. Yeah. Um, you know, have that conversation with somebody so that you can get over that and and go out and meet people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Kevin, so as Ramya is answering yeah. with mm, 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 because she's eating, can we <laughs> talk about I'm the dining it etiquette? With dining <laughs> etiquette, yes. Please, because it's true. We have like sit down oh, dinners. No, we've got cocktail yep. hour where we're just mingling and hors d'oeuvres are being passed around. And oh, then we got buffet style. Oh. oh my God, like where do we begin? This, I mean, this could this this is could be a, an entire series in and of itself. Yep. Uh, but usually at at work functions or business functions, you're going to get a mix. You're going to get a mix of the let's all sit at a table and have a meal and you know make sure that it's really formal and there are uh -huh. going to be courses and you know there's soup and then there's salad and then there's a, an appetizer and a main course and. So if you're in a situation like that, it's it's always a good idea to, you know, have a buddy, um, you know, seated with you. And if, um, uh, you know, if you get stuck beforehand, it's it's good to look up some some etiquette rules as to uh, how to dine in, in a very formal setting like that. But a lot of the times it's very casual. So you could be at a, at a work function. Maybe they take you to... Um, you know, a, a brewery or an art gallery or something, and, and there are hors d'oeuvres being passed around. Um, if you are somebody who's maybe nervous about taking something off of a tray, don't be afraid to ask for help, mm. um, you know, and, and make sure that uh, others know, or, or if you've got a, you know, a buddy, a friend, somebody, a colleague from your department who knows that if you've got particular accessibility needs, that um you know that they can help you and if you want to brave it on your own and you feel like you've got the confidence to go and pick up the uh you know the chicken skewer then then you know by all means do that but i, I think two of the things that you should definitely avoid is 
glancing at your technology in the middle of your meal. It doesn't matter if you're standing up or sitting down. You know, it looks a little bit uh, antisocial if you're just checking your phone uh, while everyone is having hors d'oeuvre and, and having a nice conversation around you. Mm. And don't don't just munch, 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 um, you know, on your food the whole time. Take breaks, engage in conversation, meet people, socialize. That's what you're there for. Also, don't load your plates at buffets. That's what I failed at with the AMI party. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> There's just so much, and we were the first to go well, in. And and you might as well know, get all the tacos. You don't know the size of things either, and you're saying, yes, thank you. Yes, please. Yes, thank you. But you I don't know. A, I've done this, and I'm yeah. not sure, and I go, holy gosh, let, let's get another plate. What? Well, I had a uh -oh. buddy, right, like a sighted person, Eliza, who was helping me out, and uh, she told me everything that was on the table. I was very excited and um, went with a mountain of food. But I did take my time eating it. Yeah, well, good. <laughs> You know, the buffet table will always be there. So just just take time and, you know, it's always worth the trip back, as I, as I like to say. You're so diplomatic, Kevin. That's why we love having you on, to validate us. Um, <laughs> any last words on this etiquette during the holidays conversation? We're wrapping. Well, I know this is that time of year where everyone is um, getting together. They're doing the, you know, the work parties. They're doing all the stuff online. Um, again, if you've got an accessibility concern, make sure that your host knows ahead of time. I know for things like paratransit, you know, you don't want to be scrambling when your, when your ride shows up. Uh, you know, if you've got taxis booked, that kind of thing, talk to the host, let them know that you've got these particular needs. Maybe you need to, you know, slip out to take some medication take some insulin, whatever it is. Um, you know, but just be, uh, you know, just be discreet about that. And, um, you know, let, let the host know if there's anything that they can do to, to help you feel comfortable and accepted. Also, you know, looking ahead to next year, it's a good time to uh, maybe get involved with your, with organizing your work party uh, for, for mm. next year. Um, if you're the one with the, you know, particular accessibility needs, it's a, it's a great chance for you to, stretch yourself and to set some goals and to do some professional uh some professional achievement stuff with right. organizing a party and, and getting all the details right so that you know others who might be in the company or other you know industry colleagues who might have accessibility needs um can show up knowing that somebody has anticipated their needs awesome kevin we covered so much and we'll get an expand into bigger series with some of the things that we did talk about today thank you have a good holiday season we'll catch you in jan of 2024 we'll do it for sure happy holidays merry christmas and happy new year thank you thanks kev kevin shaw joins us on the second wednesday of the month and we talk business with him check out the new season mind your own business oh on yeah my tv uh coming up we wrap up the show and we'll see what's going on on now with dave brown and give you our closing moment in two minutes We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. Ladies and gentlemen, subscribe, if you would, to the Kelly and Ramya podcast. While you're in there, maybe give us a rating and review. We'd appreciate it. If you can't be with us live for the show at 2 p.m. Eastern on AMI-TV or uh, AMI-audio at 4 p.m. Eastern time when the show debuts over there. Also, folks, subscribe while you're in there to Now with Dave Brown. But best thing to do, catch their show live on AMI-TV at 9 a.m. in the morning. 
Ramya is here with what they have in store for you for Thursday. Thursday morning with Alex Smythe filling in for Dave Brown. We got contributor Nick Thielen, who's recapping his top three choices uh, for his favorite comedy specials of 2023. That's going to be good recommendations. Also, Don Dickinson is previewing articles from McLean's magazine dealing with the housing crisis and possible potential solutions. Also, Marco Flalo from Access Tech Live, which is also noon Eastern on AMI-tv tomorrow. Uh, he's talking about the new upgrades to Apple's iOS 17.2, because, of course, there's a lot going on in the Apple world. Okay, check them out, 9 a.m. in the morning on AMI-tv. Here's our closing moment, and I'd like to get into just a momentary chat about this, because I think we've got two sides of an argument here, folks. Should parents trash Santa's naughty or nice list? Some mental health experts say characterizing children's good or bad on a list can limit personal growth, inflict shame, and doesn't reinforce desired behavior. Chaz Lewis, a parent and teacher coach in North Carolina, wrote on Instagram, threatening children with a naughty or nice list is misguided at best and manipulative at worst. You can do all your fun traditions without lying to your child to manipulate them. There was a video campaign in 2019 uh, titled A Mental Health Message from Santa by the National Alliance on Mental Ill uh, Illness. Um, then one of the comments that was on there was uh, one of the people posing as Santa. I think I did this all wrong, an introspective Santa said in the PSA. It started with good intentions, a way to motivate behavior, to codify gift giving, to streamline deliveries, but naughty or nice, as if some kids don't have enough to worry about already, only to have me judge them without context. Rum, I'll pause there. Uh, yeah, this is a rough one because we've gone, first of all, we have the conversations around like Santa, number one, right? Like, are we still doing this? Are we still telling kids about Santa? Is Santa playing a role in holidays? Because, you know, there's a thing around Christmas and holidays and everything else. And then um, the naughty and nice list. But I think it's going to be pretty divided, Kels, because there's a lot of good videos on YouTube and memes on kids and their reactions to being on the naughty list. So clearly this is still a bit of a trend, if you will, mm. or things that we, the, we go to, at least for comedy. On the other side of this list particularly, I shoplifted when I was 10, um, one commented. I, was I wasn't not suffering from emotional issues. I was being naughty and needed discipline. Kids can be brats, and it doesn't mean they are suffering from an emotional yeah. mental issue. The commenter continued, this is dangerous, in my opinion. We need discipline uh, as children, and all of this uh, excuse are fragile is ridiculous. We are getting weaker children, weaker teens, weaker adults who can't face the challenges of everyday life. So we hear that kind of hard angle when it mm. comes to that comment. And it's rough. Get yeah. rid of the list altogether, maybe, but even then people are going to be upset. I think it's all in the way you say it, encouraging to be good and, you know, results being not necessarily what you Children. won't get from Santa, but that yeah. people want to love that nice person. Coming up on tomorrow, what strategies can we use to boost our confidence before attending our gathering? For Lullum will give us some tips. We're talking accessible gaming with Marcus McCracken and a guest because we want to discuss Forza Motorsports. Going to be cool, going to be fun. Hopefully you'll be with us 2 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. Fedora's off to you. Good night. Hi, it's Irene, director of The Kelly and Ramya Show. The holidays are upon us. It's a busy time, shopping, meal prepping, cleaning, decorating. 
It's an ongoing task to remind myself that these are activities and tasks that should be enjoyed. Except for the cleaning, these activities should be savored and added to our memories of the holidays. Unfortunately, with the pace of our lives and the stresses of everyday life, this is not always the case. When you can, step back and be present in the moment. So many people are striving for perfection. Perfect meal, perfect gifts, perfect tree or decorations. I say that we should all give ourselves a break. Remember that the holidays should be joyful. Joy with sharing a meal with people you love. If family gatherings are difficult, organize a meal, including people whose company you really enjoy. The meal could be anything. The most important part is the company. Listen to holiday music, enjoy holiday beverages, and throw caution to the wind. Eat those cookies. Enjoy that chocolate. Leave the worries about diet behind. The new year will be a time to reset. Relax, enjoy, indulge, and remember that we are finally able to get get together with family and friends. COVID has taught us that we should not take certain things for granted. Happy getting ready for the holidays. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.